You know, sometimes you, uh, you have a realization that you forgot something or you should have done something. You, should, you know, I, for me, it's very often in the middle of the night. You wake up, oh, I did that or I didn't do that. And things are always worse in the middle of the night. Well, that happened this week, early this week, and I thought about some things and some scriptures I used, uh, some of the scriptures that are pointed to in the confession. At one point, or maybe at the beginning of the scripture, I'm thinking, I think it was Matthew, the Matthew uh, parts, that mentioned the judgment. Well, in the same scripture that I read, it will also mention rewards. And I hope I didn't leave it a, a wrong thought that there are no rewards in heaven. I, I believe there are rewards in heaven. Uh, I don't think that's what the confession is addressing in these scriptures. It's talking about the judgment of God. Uh, if, I, if I made you think that, I'm sorry. Uh, I don't have a good commentary. I don't have a good way to... Uh, Speak to that. People will say, well, you're saved by grace. We're all saved by the same grace. None of us are saved by, saved by works. Uh, we're all saved the same way. Tell me about rewards in heaven. How, how's that go? Well, our rewards are based on our works, and that's all I can tell you. I, don't, I don't, hadn't studied it very much. I don't have good answers for that. I think it's a good point for discussion for our congregation, but uh, I didn't want you to think that there are no rewards in heaven. There are rewards in heaven. I believe Scripture teaches that. The, the confession, the parts that we're going over are talking about the fact of judgment, whether you're going to heaven, whether you're going to hell, I think. So I'd like to begin, and like we've done the first uh, night, read the whole three chapters. Three, uh, three paragraphs, and then I'll do a little recap, and we'll look at specifically, again, this is not Scripture, but it points us to Scripture, so what I'm going to do is talk about the Scripture that it talks about pertaining to the last judgment. Read with me, beginning in paragraph 1 of chapter 32 of the last judgment. God hath appointed a day wherein he will judge the world in righteousness by Jesus Christ, to whom all power and judgment is given of the Father, in which day not only the apostate angels shall be judged, but likewise all persons that have lived upon the earth shall appear before the tribunal of Christ to give an account of their thoughts, words, and deeds, and to receive according to what they have done in the body, whether good or evil. The end of God's appointing this day is for the manifestation of the glory of His grace in the eternal salvation of the elect and of His justice, in the eternal damnation of the reprobate who are wicked and disobedient. For then shall the righteous go into everlasting life and receive that fullness of joy and glory with everlasting rewards in the presence of the Lord. But the wicked who know not God and obey not the gospel of Jesus Christ shall be cast aside into everlasting torments and be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of His power. And then the third paragraph that we'll look at tonight. As Christ would have us to be certainly persuaded that there shall be a day of judgment, both to deter all men from sin and for the greater consolation of the godly in their adversary, so will He have the day unknown to men, 
that they may shake off all carnal security and be always watchful, because they know not at what hour the Lord will come, and may ever be prepared to say, Come, Lord Jesus, come quickly. Amen. In summary of the chapters, paragraph 1, we, we learn that God has appointed a day. Our righteous judge on that day will be Christ himself. The ones being judged, all people who have ever lived on the earth, and the apostate angels. Our spiritual state will be revealed by re reviewing our deeds. In the second paragraph, God's purpose for this day was, number one, to show his glory. That comes in two ways. In his mercy of saving the elect and in his justice of the damnation of sinners. On this day, God will bring believers to himself and he will banish unbelievers to hell, away from him, away from his presence. Uh, so let's look at the, the third paragraph. It points out, since Scripture teaches that the day of judgment is certain, how should we respond? This is the question that comes up. The Scripture that is given for this is 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10. If you will, please turn there. We'll probably turn to all these scriptures. Verses 10 and 11. This was also used in the first paragraph. It says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. Another reference uh, you might recognize for this is Galatians chapter 6, verse 5. And I looked at uh, Matthew Henry's commentary concerning this, and he pretty much had the same list, the same outline that we see in our, uh, in our confession. He states the elements already mentioned that are help us to be deterred from sin, and these are the certainty of the judgment stated, we must all appear. He says, the Lord Jesus Christ himself shall appear in, in flaming fire here. This is ominous. Uh, it's just a horrible, horrible sight thinking there's a flame and judgment. It reminds me of uh, Mount Sinai when the, the Israelites couldn't come near. There was thunder and darkness. It's very, very ominous. It's, it's very uh, foreboding, very serious. He says also that the recompense to be received is for things in the body. And he actually points out the particular things, and that makes me refer to or think about the rewards that it mentioned. These are particular things, every one that are mentioned in this, this scripture. This will be very particular, very just judgment according to what we have done, whether good or bad. These deeds, though the good deeds don't save us, 
these deeds will determine, are you a believer? How did you live your life? Did you profess to be a Christian, yet act like an unbeliever? Your, your deeds will, will tell. Our deeds will tell. That's, that's the judgment that is made. Number two, since Scripture teaches that the day is certain, how should we respond? The godly should be consoled in adversity. I mentioned part of this in uh, the first address I made in the first night, first paragraph. The fact that, and we look around us, and we're frustrated with how things are. As godly people, we have different worldview and different values than the people we work for, sometimes our family, the people we have to do business with. We get frustrated. And our only hope, our, our consolation is knowing that this time is short. The time in eternity will be forever. It will be much, much better. We will be consoled in our, in our adversity. The scripture given for this comes from 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. Let's turn there. verses 5 through 7. This is evidence of the righteous judgment of God that you may be considered worthy of the kingdom of God for which you are also suffering since indeed God considers it just to repay with affliction those who afflict you and to grant relief to you who are afflicted as well as to us when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels. And the next verse says, in flaming fire. Uh, I noticed uh, that practically every time we see this mention made, especially in the New Testament, of God's judgment or this day especially, that it says, this judgment will be righteous. And I can't stress that enough. This will be right. The judge won't be bribed. The judge won't have a favorite except his son, uh, the, judge will, the judge will be right. There, there is no preference given. He says in this passage that you are counted worthy or considered worthy. Their persecution should be taken as an assurance of their sonship. Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. We see that in John 18. That there's, a, there's a stark Contrast, a stark difference, like I just mentioned, in the way we deal, in the way we speak, in the way that we expect of the people around us, the people of the earth, the people who, are, who don't have the Holy Spirit, the people who God has not pulled out and shown His Word. They don't have that. They are of this world. Jesus also said, If they persecuted me, they would surely persecute you. He's talking about His followers. We see that in John Chapter 15. So, the believing, to the believing, the persecution is a badge of honor. Don't let people who are whining and are trying to call attention to themselves, who you know are not godly, you know are not saved, they get themselves into trouble. The Bible addresses that. 
they get their, they, they pretty much ask for trouble. They get into situations where they're going to be persecuted, and then they say, oh, Lord, I'm persecuted because I'm godly. The, the Bible addresses that. That's, that's not the case at all. They have no reward in heaven, and they have only uh, persecution to look forward here on earth. God is not their help. It says in verse 6 that their persecutors, persecutors will be punished. And it says their affliction in this, in this passage, their affliction will be, be relieved by heavenly rest. And in Romans 8 verse 18, Paul states, For I consider that the suffering of this present time are not worthy comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Paul knew the, the comparison between this world and between the next world. He lived under the direction of the Holy Spirit and he could say, he could, he could write these words out of uh, experience. There's nothing to compare here with the world to come. The next passage of scripture, it was I in the uh, confession, comes from Mark chapter 13. We ask the question, since scripture teaches that judgment day is certain, how are we to respond? The confession says we, could shake, we should shake off all carnal security. Turn to Mark chapter 13. We'll read verses 35 through 37. This is an admonition to stay awake. It says, therefore, stay awake. All these scriptures almost explicitly, almost, it's very pointed, pointing at the day of judgment, Christ's return. Therefore, stay awake. For you do not know when the master of the house will come, in the evening, or at midnight, or when the rooster crows, or in the morning, lest he come suddenly and find you asleep. And what I say to you, I say to all, stay awake. He goes through each watch of the night here. They had watches in the night. They divided the, the night into different quadrants. And he said, you don't know when this will be. And he used the night to, I believe, to be kind of a concealer. We, we can't see things coming in the night. He said this explicitly. It's, it's, it's not been revealed. Men would, it's our, it's our uh, condition, it's our propensity. If we feel unthreatened or if we feel like things are good, we, we, we are at ease and we... We're not about our wits. We're not about our jobs. We don't pay attention. We don't, I've often said that we don't actually grow very much in good times. Uh, when we're watching, when we're waiting in an anticipating mode, this is what he's saying. Be watchful. Be ready. Be ready. In the example given in this scripture, he says that the master will certainly come. It's just like 
in our confession points out in the, other, in the first scripture we read, this day is appointed. He is coming. He will come. He won't live. He won't leave his possession, his inheritance, his bride forever. The sheep the Father has given him that we see in John chapter 10. He won't forsake this possession. He won't forsake these things. He won't leave them forever. The people that God has given him that he mentioned in John chapter 17. This is his. We're very selfish with our possessions. Uh, be it a tool, be it a, a spouse, be it a kid, a car, whatever, our clothing. Our humanness is selfish. His is righteous selfishness. He bought us. We're his. Pointed out in eternity past. He won't leave. He won't leave us forever. And number two, he will return as master. He has tremendous all authority. He has, just like I pointed out, all these possessions, the church, these, these elect, they're his. He has, he has the right to expect what he has bought. Those left to their duties will give an account. As master, he has authority to expect that. Give an answer. Give an account of what you've done. Some as administrators, we see that in Matthew 24, and some as laborers, seen here in Mark 13. We all have a job to do, just like I told about the people in the church. We should do our duties. We should stay ready. We should stay watching. That's what he's saying here in Mark chapter 13. He says also, Always be watchful because we don't know when the Lord will come. The scripture given for this, marked J, is Luke chapter 12. Let's turn there. We're moving pretty quick. Look at verses 35 and 40. 35 through 40, I'm sorry. <clears throat> this scripture says, Stay dressed for action and keep your lamps burning and be like men who are waiting for their master to come home from the wedding feast so that they may open the door to him at once when he comes and knocks. Blessed are those servants whom the master finds awake when he comes. Truly, I say to you, he will dress himself for service and have them recline at table and he will come and serve them. If he comes in the second watch or in the third and finds them awake, blessed are those servants. But know this, that if the master of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have left his house to be broken into. You also must be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour that you do not expect. These verses encourage pretty much the same thing as the last passage. It says uh, they're not only dressed and ready for work, but who delight in their service to their master. Again, point out the uh, emphasis of the master here. He has authority. He has ownership. They eagerly wait for his return, not only for his protection and provision, but because he has proven himself righteous and faithful. This is a good master. He alone, pay attention, he alone 
is their source of living. It is his house. It's his food. It's his clothing that they wear. Without him, they're nothing. Without him, they're vulnerable to any and all enemies. This man, this master, has provided everything for these servants. He's left nothing undone. It is a perfect right for him to expect them to be about their business and be watchful. Don't be slack. It's not a question at all of if he's coming. I hope I've established that. The confession has established that. The day is appointed. He is coming. The question is when. Since we don't know when, he has not revealed when, we've got to stay ready all the time. These servants are committed to him. And the waiting is not easy, but they'll do it because he is worth the wait. He's worth staying ready. He's worth being diligent. He's a good master. He, does, he, he don't rule with a heavy hand. He rules with a righteous hand and a merciful hand and a generous hand. What a loving master he is. We're encouraged and we are admonished to stay dressed. Stay ready. The thing that it reminds me of is uh, the scriptures that talk about a man pulling his garment up and tying it around his waist so he could run or so he could work. This is the idea. Don't be slothful. Don't be just laying around and laid back thinking somebody else is going to do your job or that I'll be okay or somebody else is going to holler when the master's here and I'll, I'll jump up. No. He says, you be ready. You stay dressed. The fifth point, we're drawing to a close. The scripture given is K, and it comes from Revelation 22, verse 20. And it states, He who testified to these things says, Surely, surely, I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The one that testifies in John's vision. He interacted with John. John fell on his face in, uh, in worship. But he stated, I testify that these things are true. This is a true vision. This is not something you had for supper that caused you to have a bad dream. This, is a, this comes from God. He testifies. He describes Christ as a soon coming king he has testified to all the vision as true this same one testified to the the vision promises i am coming soon this same christ this same one who in one part of the revelation it says there stood a lamb a few words later it says the man or he stood there this lamb given for the sacrifice of the world, for the sins of the elect. This is the one that he's talking about. I am coming. He came as a lamb in the beginning. He'll return as a lion. This promise is also certain. Why do we think that? 
There are many scriptures that point out to us that Christ is God. And what do we know about God? What's one of his predominant features? God cannot lie. He has no reason to lie. He gains nothing from lying. Why would he deceive us, a puny little race of humans? Nothing to gain. It's not going to help God to lie. Furthermore, he cannot lie. He don't want to lie. So when he says he will return, he will return. Again, and I found this profound when reading the Matthew Henry commentary of these verses. He says, What comes from heaven in a promise should be sent back to heaven in a prayer. And that's what we see John doing here in Revelation. He says, Even so, come quickly. Amen. Let it be. What did John have to fear? John was already exiled on the Isle of Patmos. He had run his course. He had lived a faithful life. He knew his record. He knew that God knew his record. Uh, is that, is that your testimony? Can you look and say, I have nothing to fear. I'm ready for the day of judgment. I've already said that it's a serious day. It'll be a foreboding day. It's not a day of celebration. But it's going to be serious. It's going to be just. We have nothing to fear as believers. Your sins are forgiven. They've been dealt with. He won't say, remember that, remember that. No, your, your life has, your life has uh, shown what kind of a believer you are. Your deeds have shown. At this point, it's too late. Let's join with John and say, Amen. Let it be so. Come, Lord Jesus. In conclusion, let's look at another very descriptive scripture. It comes in 2 Peter chapter 3. And it gives us an admonition. Second Peter chapter 3, we'll begin in verse 8 and read through verse 15. And this will be our application. This will be our... Uh, encouragement as to how to live, as to how to get ready, how to stay ready, how to be stay dressed for action. Read with me. Do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slow to, to fulfill His promise, as some count slowness, but is patient you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. And here's the description. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. Since all these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness, waiting for and hastening the coming of 
the day of God. That's the same as saying amen come quickly. Because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved. And the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn. But according to his promise, we are waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Therefore, beloved, since you are waiting for these, be diligent to be found by him without spot or blemish and at peace. And count the patience of our Lord as salvation. Just as our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you concerning the wisdom given to him. He asked a rhetorical question. He said, What sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness? Very pointed, very solemn uh, soul-searching question. We should question our motives. We should question our actions. We should plan ahead. We should be conscious of the Spirit's leading. Be conscious when we read our Bibles. Be conscious when somebody's in the pulpit speaking, when you're being encouraged like we were encouraged to this morning. Uh, when somebody comes to us and either, you know, upbraids us or encourages us in the Lord, pay attention. This life is a tiny, tiny speck of eternity. We should be ready. The judgment will come. The master will come. And he will come as master. He will come with all that authority. And there will be no allowance for sin or sloth. Let's pray.